Thank you for joining us for this sermon. We are currently in a foundational series here at Hope called The Life of a Jesus Follower. As we make our way through this sermon series, we want to come alongside you and your family. That is why we launched JesusFollower.com. This website is full of helpful resources for you and your family. Before we get to the sermon, we just wanna make you aware of a couple things. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Enjoy the message. You and I are a part of a much bigger story. And it's a story that is not just about you, and it's not just about me. It's a story that is bigger than us. It is the story of God. And it's a story that God has been writing throughout history. And that is the premise of a little book called Epic that was written by a man named John Eldridge. The premise of this little book is the grand story of God. And as we begin today, I want to read a statement that he makes in this book that I feel is absolutely thought-provoking. He says this, Now, I have a confession to make. Ever since I began to believe in God, I've pictured God as alone. Sovereign, powerful, all that, but by himself. Perhaps the notion sprang from the fact that I felt myself to be alone in the universe. Or perhaps it came from the religious images of God seated on a great throne way up there somewhere. How wonderful to discover that God has never been alone. He has always been Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always been a fellowship. This whole story began with something relational. I want to show you the basis for this principle in the pages of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, here's what the Bible records. Then God said, let us. Not singular, plural. Make man in our image. According to our likeness. This is the foundation from which John Eldridge can communicate in his small book that this whole story began with something relational. In the beginning was God. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. From the very beginning, God has been a fellowship. And as you follow the first few chapters of the Bible, you see that God made man in his likeness and he placed him in a garden in order for the man to enjoy that garden. But as we progress through the scripture into Genesis chapter 2, we see this take place. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. God looked down on his creation and he saw that the man he had created in his likeness was alone in the garden. And here's what he said. This is not best. This is not good. You see, the whole story of humanity began in the fellowship of the Trinity. And one of the dimensions of you and I being made in the likeness of God is that we were created for relationships. Rick Warren communicates it this way in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. We were created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed for a family. And none of us can fulfill God's purposes by ourselves. We were created for relationship. We were hardwired to live our lives in community with others. That's why God looked down at the man he had created in his likeness and said, this is not good. The word good literally means beneficial or best. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you desire to experience the best life possible? Raise your hand. The best life possible. Of course, all of us are raising our hands because we all desire the best life possible. Well, here's what the Bible's teaching us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Apart from fellowship and relationships with others, we will never experience the best life possible. The verse I read a moment ago from Genesis 2 where it says it's not good for man to be alone communicates it is not good for a person to be without the help and support of others. It is not best for us to be separated from relationships with other people. The very best God has for you and me will never be experienced apart from relationships with others. And we would all agree with this. Even people who are, don't follow Jesus would agree with this. Life's real value and purpose is found in relationships with our family, with our friends, with people that we care about. And really, without relationships, life has no meaning. And when you specifically talk about that principle as it relates to following Jesus, it only intensifies. We are on a journey of being conformed into the image of Jesus and what is critical in that process is relationships. Here at Hope Church, this is a, a statement we use often to communicate the importance of relationships. Look at this statement. The life of a Jesus follower is all about 
relationships. We believe that. We're in a series right now as a church called The Life of a Jesus Follower. And we're looking at three relationships that define following Jesus. So far, we've looked at the first one, a relationship with God. First and foremost, following Jesus is about an intimate love relationship with God. And if you miss that, you miss it all. Because we've said in this series that the overall goal of the Christian life, the bullseye, is to know God. The foundation of following Jesus is an intimate love relationship with God. And we've given you a key word to describe this relationship. It's the key word, abide. We are to abide in Christ personally and daily. And today we're going to transition to talking about the second relationship that, is, that defines following Jesus. But before we go there, I want to say something very quickly. If today you do not have a relationship with God that is personal, that is real, that is intimate, I want to be as honest and as clear as I can be with you today. Hope Church will not change your life. A religious system will not change your life. Trying to do your best to live morally will not change your life. But a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will change your life, not only today, but for eternity. And it is our prayer collectively as a church that today you would embrace this good news that God loves you, that he desires a relationship with you, and he wants you to live life in a relationship with him. Hope family, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. So the foundation of following Jesus is a love relationship with God. However, being a Jesus follower isn't just about a relationship with God. You see, although God designed our relationship with him to be personal, it was never his design for our relationship with him to be private. You see, God created us to know him and love him. And he made us to live out our relationship with him in fellowship with other people. So here's what that means. That means that we don't come to church on Sunday just because it's what you do to be a good Christian. We come to church on Sunday because we've been born into a community of believers and designed to live out our relationship with him in the context of his family, relationships with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. That's how he designed it. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we see very clearly our need for community, our need for relationship. Well, we find the exact same principles when we look in the New Testament. Did you know that the New Testament of the Bible knows nothing of a Christianity without community? I want to show you an example from the book of Acts chapter 2. Here's what's happening in the book of Acts. It's referred to as the day of Pentecost. 
And a man named Peter stood before thousands and thousands of people, and he preached the gospel of Jesus boldly. And here's what happened. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. So Peter speaks the gospel to a large group of people. People hear the gospel, embrace the gospel, begin following Jesus, and they are added to something. This word added means to join together with. They embrace the gospel and God supernaturally by his spirit added them to something. This same word added is used a few verses later in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. And the Lord was adding, joining together with, to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So here's the question. What were these people being added to? Here's the answer. The community of believers. They were being added to the church. You see, within the city of Jerusalem, which is where Acts chapter 2 was taking place, there was a new family being formed, the family of God. Every time a person begins following Jesus, God supernaturally by his spirit adds those people to his family. That is very clear from Acts chapter 2. But it's not just in Acts chapter 2. Did you know that as you look at every book in the New Testament, beyond the Gospels and the book of Acts, every New Testament letter was written either to address a community of believers or to bring about change within the context of a community of believers. You do the research yourself, but if you look through the New Testament, every New Testament book, every New Testament letter was written to a community of believers, or it was written to somehow impact a community of believers. Here's what I mean. The New Testament book of Ephesians, that is a letter that Paul wrote to the community of believers, the church living in the city of Ephesus. The book of Romans, that is a letter that is written to a community of believers in Rome. The books of First and Second Timothy, they were written to help establish a structure and show that local community of believers how they were to function. Every New Testament letter beyond the Gospels and the book of Acts was written either to address a community of believers or to bring about change within the context of a community of believers. Here's the principle. You will never know the very best God has in store for your life apart from a relationship with him and his family. So if you find yourself today attempting to live out this Christian journey on your own, I want you to hear me today, and I say this as lovingly as I can. That is not the Christianity of the Bible. We are designed to live out our relationship with God in the context of a community of believers. And going all the way back to the book of Genesis, I would say to you, what you are attempting to do is not 
good. So I want to give us a second key word today that should define following Jesus. Here's the second key word. Connect. And remember what we're doing. What we're doing is we're establishing a paradigm that we can lay over our lives and ask the question, am I faithfully following Jesus? The first relationship we've identified as one that we have with God or an abiding relationship with God. But we are also to connect in community with other believers. So here's how I want us to spend the rest of our time. I want to share three realities in the life of a Jesus follower as it relates to connection in community. Three simple biblical realities that we can wrap our hearts around today as we seek to understand what it means to connect in community. Here's the first one. Because I have a relationship with God, I now have a relationship with God's family. Because I have a relationship with God, I now have a relationship with God's family. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of God's family. Listen to this verse from the Gospel of John chapter 1. But as many as received him, meaning as many as have embraced the gospel, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. This little word right is a judicial term. It's a term that literally means power or authority. Meaning when we begin a relationship with God, he gives us the power or the authority to call ourselves his children. One of the things that is a really big deal at Hope Church is church planting. We are passionate about multiplying churches up and down the West Coast. And several years ago, we had the privilege of sending out a church planting team, Pastor Zeke and Lane Tomaselli, to go to Zeke's hometown of Hilo, Hawaii, to plant Ohana Church there among that community. And Zeke was a guy who grew up here at Hope Church. He came here when he was in high school. He came to Christ here. He was discipled here. He met his wife, Lane, here. He felt called into ministry here. And so we were able to walk with Zeke for a long journey. And then we were able to send them out to go plant this new church. And when they arrived on the field there in Hilo, Hawaii, they began to engage their city. And one of the ways that they felt led to engage their city was in the arena of foster care. And so they received two little boys that they began to foster early on in that process. And after a season of time of fostering those little boys, the opportunity came about for Zeke and Lane to actually adopt those two boys as their own. And after a long process, they stood before a judge in 2016, and that judge declared that those boys were now officially a part of the Tomaselli family. I want to show you a picture of that day. This is Pastor Zeke, this is his wife Lane, and those are the two little boys at that time that they were fostering and then on this day that they were adopting. But I want you to think about this picture for a moment. That judge declared 
that those two boys had the right to become a part of the Tomaselli family. At one point, these boys were outside of the family, but because of a judicial act, they were brought into the family. And now they had the right, they had the authority authority to say, I am now a part of the Tomaselli family. So connect the dots. The Bible is saying here in John chapter 1 that when we embrace the gospel, a judicial act takes place. And God gives us the right. He gives us the power. He gives us the authority to say, I am now a child of God. There was a time when we were outside of the family, but because of a judicial act full of grace and the loving God that we serve, he brings us into his family. If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you can say with confidence, you belong to the family of God. Amen? Listen to this verse from Romans. The language is so powerful. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons by which we cry out, Abba or Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. As followers of Jesus, we have a new identity. And one part of that identity is that we've been given a new family. Now, when it comes to God's family, there are two common misunderstandings that I want to talk about for just a few moments because they come up over and over and over again as people are born into a relationship with God and brought into God's family. Some people have the idea that, yes, they have a relationship with Jesus, but they have a decision to make about God's family. They're born again into a relationship with God, but they get to decide if they want to be a part of the family or not. And the best way to illustrate this is to think about it in the context of a marriage relationship. When you marry someone, because of that relationship, you also get family. Now, I'm not here to point fingers, but sometimes that family is a good thing, and sometimes that family is a not-so-good thing. Here's what I want you to know. If you have embraced the gospel, whether you like it or not, you got us. Because of your relationship with God, you are also in a relationship with God's family. Another common misunderstanding that can come up as you talk about God's family is this. Some Christians, unfortunately, because of a bad experience, have walked away from God's family. Now, it breaks my heart to hear of a situation where someone was engaged in a church and they were treated poorly or something took place. And I know that sometimes family can be difficult. But just because of a difficult situation does not mean you throw out the concept altogether. Because here's what can happen in situations like this. People have a bad experience and they walk away 
from God's family, and they are living their lives all by themselves. And that is not the way God designed it. A picture of this is one that happens often on the Discovery Channel. Have you ever seen on the Discovery Channel a scene when a lion is prowling through a field and he comes up upon a herd of gazelle? And every time this happens, inevitably, the herd is over here and there's one lonely gazelle way over here. And the camera will pan to the herd and then pan to the one by itself. And by that point, the lion has made its way over to the single gazelle that's all by itself. You know what that looks like? Not good. The fact is, as the body of Christ, we need each other. We need one another. And it is dangerous for us to think we can live our lives and follow Jesus in separation from the family of God. That is not the way that God designed life to be lived. And I'm not saying this today about God's family to in any way diminish our physical families. But I do want us to understand that when we join God's family, we are a part of something so much bigger than just our physical families. Because here's what that means. When we read the stories in the Bible of Moses and Abraham and Jonah, Jesus and Paul, we are reading the history of our family. When we visit brothers and sisters in Christ in Asia or in Africa, we are literally visiting our spiritual family. When we pray for people, brothers and sisters on the other side of the world, we are not just praying for random people. We are praying for our family. And when we read in the book of Revelation, here's what we're doing. We're reading the future of our spiritual family. You see, because we have a relationship with God, we also have a relationship with his family. Here's a second reality I want to share with you today. It is impossible to be right with God and not be right with his family. It is impossible to be right with God and not be right with his family. Last Sunday, we looked at a verse from John chapter 14. It's actually Jesus speaking this, these words. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we established that when Jesus spoke these words, he was not saying, if you love me, you better obey me. That was not the heart of Jesus in John 14. Jesus was saying, listen, if you love me, like you genuinely love me, of course you're going to obey me. He was communicating that obedience is not the focus of our lives. Obedience is the fruit of our lives as we walk in intimacy with God. Well, within this chapter, Jesus says that multiple times. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. And then in John 15, he gives the disciples a picture of a relationship with him that would forever communicate our need for Jesus. In John 15, 5, he said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. But through me, 
you can do all things. He gave this visual of a vine and branches. And he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. As you abide in me, all things are possible. And after sharing multiple times that obedience will be the fruit of our lives as we follow Jesus intimately, and saying that he is the vine and we are the branches, in John chapter 15, Jesus spoke these words. And this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. He says, listen, if you really love me, you're going to obey my commands. And here's the command I want to give you. Love one another. So what does that reveal for us? It reveals this, the first obvious evidence that I am in a right relationship with God is that I love God's family. The first clear evidence that you and I are walking in an intimate love relationship with God is that we have a deep, sacrificial, unconditional love for his family. He said, love them just as I have loved you. Well, how is that possible? Well, it's only possible as he loves them through us as we walk in a relationship with him. You see, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says that the gospel is a gospel of reconciliation, which means to bring two things back together that were separated. We would all agree, for those of us who follow Jesus, that we've been reconciled with God. We were separated from him, but we've been brought back. We've been reconciled into a relationship with God. And he says, if that has really happened, if you've really been reconciled into a right relationship with me, it will be your heart's desire to also reconcile relationships with other people. And the way that we can know we've really been reconciled with God is by looking at our desire to be in right relationships within his family. 1 John 4, John writes something that is extremely pointed. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that, the first thought in my mind is, what does it really mean to hate somebody? I mean, there's some people that I don't like, but, but hate? I want you to know this. That word literally means active ill will that affects words or actions. So it forces all of us today to say, Lord, is there somebody in your family that the way I think about them and the way I feel about them causes me to speak wrongly or act with some type of ill will? And if somebody comes to your mind, if the Holy Spirit of God puts someone on your heart or in your mind, here's what that means. You're not right with God until you go make that right with them. It is a lie to say I am right with God 
and not be right with someone in God's family. Roy Hessian wrote this in his book, The Calvary Road. Everything that comes as a barrier between us and another, be it ever so small, comes as a barrier between us and God. Our relationship with our fellows and our relationship with God are so linked that we cannot disturb one without disturbing the other. So here, here's where we, we, we need to be today. Lord, as far as it depends on me, I believe I'm in right relationship with everyone in your family. And if you can say that, that is a reflection of you living out this principle. But if God brings someone to your heart, today is the day, as far as it depends on you, to go and seek to make that right because it is impossible to be right with God and not be right with his family. Well, here's a third and final reality today. My relationship with God grows by fellowship with God's family. My relationship with God grows by fellowship with God's family. You see, it is our relationship with God that allows us to fully enjoy a relationship with each other. But it is our relationship with each other that deepens our relationship with God. You see, there are things about God that you and I will never know apart from living in fellowship with other believers. Think about that. There are things about our all-glorious great God that we will never know apart from living in fellowship relationship with other believers because that's the way God designed it. God uses others to help us grow and discover things about him that we would never know otherwise. Once again, a great illustration of this is the marriage relationship. My wife, Shar and I have been married for over 11 years now. So we were married when I was 26 years old. And at that point in my life, I honestly did not think I was a slob. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you could do what you wanted to with dirty dishes, and you could do what you wanted to with dirty clothes. Well, we got married, and I soon found out that was not okay. But nobody had ever been close enough to me to point out the fact that I had dishes laying all over my house and I had clothes laying all over my house because I was good with that. God used that relationship to show me some stuff about myself that I would never have learned otherwise. And the same is true as it relates to God's family. There are some things in your life that you need to discover. There's some areas in your life that need to change. And here's how God wants to bring that about. He wants to bring that about by using relationships within his family to help further conform you into the image of Jesus. Proverbs 27 says it this way. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here's what this is talking about. It's talking about fellowship. It's talking about fellowship with other believers, where you do life with others, and it helps you grow and deepen your love relationship with God. The word fellowship literally means to partner with or share in the life of another. 
Here's a definition that we've written here at Hope Church for fellowship. Living out our relationship with God together with other believers. That's fellowship. Because this is exactly what happened in the early church. I want to take you back very quickly to Acts chapter 2 once again. Listen to what happened as people were hearing the gospel, being born again, showing that as a symbol by being baptized. Listen to what happened. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen, this is not a description of a religious program. This is what happened as they walked in intimacy with God and sought out to live in fellowship with one another. So here's a question for us. What is God's plan today for believers to live in fellowship? Here's the answer. The local church. The local church is where believers have the opportunity to live in fellowship with other Jesus followers. And at Hope Church, we try to model what I just read from Acts chapter 2. We gather in large group. In Acts chapter 2, it was temple courts. For here, for us, it's here on this campus. But then they also gathered house to house. What is that? A small group community. Doing life with a few believers who know you well, where you can be transparent, you can be honest, they can care for you, they can love you, and you can do the same for them. What is the local church? Here's another definition that we've established here. A local community of baptized Jesus followers uniting together under biblical leadership to share in the mission of Christ. That's the church. That is the family of God. That's what we're a part of here at Hope Church. So in closing, let me just share a couple thoughts on why what we're talking about today is so, so important. First of all, there's a, there's a personal implication. We will never know God's best apart from fellowship with others. That's why this is a big deal. We will never know God's best life for us apart from relationships with his family. But there's also a missional implication. The world will never know God at all apart from our fellowship as his family. And here's what I mean by that. God's plan is that our relationship with one another so reveals Jesus that the world is drawn to him through us. One of the words that's used in the New Testament to describe the church is the word body. A body is that which provides a physical reality of existence. You know that I'm standing on this stage today because I have a body. That's what the Bible says. We are the physical representation of Jesus in the world. We're the body. And as the world sees him love through us, serve through us, care through us, speak through us, 
they will be drawn to him because of his life being lived through us. One final verse for today in 1 John. No one has seen God at any time. However, if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected. It's made known. It's seen in us. The lost world cannot see God, but they can see his life in us as we love one another. So once again, we're establishing a paradigm in this series that we can lay over our lives to determine, am I faithfully following Jesus? So following Jesus is not just about a love relationship with God, but as we've learned today, it is also about connection, relationship, fellowship within God's family. Let's pray this morning. I want to invite you just to steal your heart before the Lord. And I want you to think about how is God speaking to you today? Maybe today you realize that you don't have a relationship with God. But that's your desire. You realize today that God loves you and that he desires a relationship with you. In just a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of response and we're going to have some pastors here at the front. And I want to invite you, if today you desire to begin a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to invite you just to come to one of our pastors and simply say, I need Jesus. And we would love to connect you with someone who can show you from the Bible how today you can begin a love relationship with God. For others of us, who are followers of Jesus, I want you to think for a moment about God's family. Are you thankful today that God has brought you into his family? Are you intentional about pursuing relationships with other members of God's family? Maybe today what you realize is I've been trying to do this thing on my own. And you realize that is not God's design for following Jesus. And maybe today you realize I need to get connected in relationships. As you leave in just a few moments, we have a next step center out in the lobby. And there you can speak with someone about how you can get more information and get connected in relationships within this church. Maybe God put somebody on your heart today and you know that your relationship with them is not right. And out of our time in the word today, you know you need to approach them. And as far as it depends on you, seek to make that relationship right. Maybe there's just something going on in your life today, something that is financial or relational or physical, and you would just like somebody to pray for you. Or maybe you want to come and just kneel here at these steps by the stage and just be alone with God. This is, these are moments when we are free to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to us. So, Lord, as we move into this final time of response, 
I pray you'd give us a sensitivity to your voice. I pray you'd give us grace to obey what you say. And Lord, I pray for our church. May the world see who you are by the way that we love one another. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of it. Lord, speak to us now as we respond to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.